Hello and welcome. Welcome back to all things Urticaria. My name is Marcus, Marcus Maurer. I'm here at the UCARE at Charité in Berlin. UCARE, that's the Urticaria Center of Reference and Excellence. And what does UCARE do? Well, many things, including this podcast, All Things Urticaria, picking up ideas, suggestions that you bring to us on what our episodes should be on. And I had a really interesting suggestion from two of you that made me call Ralph. We are going to talk about urticaria in animals. Hi, Ralph. Happy to be with you today. Hello, Marcus. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Really curious to see what we're going to talk about. Um, if you don't mind, would you tell people um, where you are, what you do? I'm actually a veterinary allergologist and dermatologist in the university at the University of Munich at the Center for Clinical Veterinary Medicine. Um, and there are such things as specialists in veterinary medicine. And as such, I do see a number of patients with urticaria. Um, and so I'm very excited to be on with you today. Well, when you say patients, you mean horses, dogs, cats. What patients do you see? Uh, mainly horses and dogs. On occasion, some weird things either from the zoo or some cats that come in the clinic. But I would say 98% of my cases will be horses and dogs. Interesting. I can't wait to hear about the 2%. Is, did you ever see an elephant with urticaria? Never with urticaria. I saw elephants with other skin diseases, but not wow. urticaria yet. All right. All right. Well, let's start with the horses. I know some horses uh, that have urticaria. They're all fast. They're all very expensive and they all don't run when they have hives. Uh, I've even seen a horse with angioedema. Tell us a little bit more about uh, uh, urticaria in horses. Well, first of all, urticaria in horses is probably one of the most common skin diseases that we have in horses in general. Um, so it is it is a very frequent occurrence, and I think horses beat dogs a ratio of two to one, three to one in my clinic, although I see so many more dogs than I see equine uh, species. So, so we see it on an extremely regular basis. Typically, it is more, as you said, the expensive high-strung horses. So I occasionally see a pony, or a breed like a halfling or so, but most of the time it's warm bloods or thoroughbreds okay. that come in with urticaria. Okay. And uh, yeah. And, and what does urticaria do to your patients? Well, they get hives all over. Um, yeah. And typically these hives in severe cases will start oozing and will form a crust on top if it's very severe. Sometimes the edema, the fluid will actually um, follow gravity and we have edema on the belly and the distal legs. Um, and so they don't feel well, often they are pruritic. Mm. And so they start rubbing themselves on things. And then of course the self-trauma, if 500 kilos of muscles really rub very heavily on a wall, you can imagine mm. how the skin looks like after yeah. that. Yeah. So secondary trauma is, is a common sequela. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it is a big problem. Ralph, in the horses I've seen, the wheels are not like in humans. The the wheels are donut sized and donut shaped. Um, I wouldn't say donut. I think they're 
they really have lots of different shapes. They have the donut shapes, they have strange figurate shapes that look like, like somebody took a donut and actually pulled it in different directions, if you wish. Okay. They do have very small hives, just like humans. They have a whole combination of, of edematous lesions, and, and sometimes um, it's, it's really difficult to even ne- uh, realize that it's edema because they're quite hard. Yeah. So what we often do is we actually take a, a color pencil and, and color in the, the surroundings, yeah. and then we actually have a look a little later and see if the hive went down and occurred elsewhere, which is classic for urticaria, or if the lesion stayed exactly the same, because as you probably know, the major differential diagnosis in horses is erythema multiforme, which yeah. doesn't really then move. These plaques stay the way they are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ralph, we do the same uh, in humans, uh, just to see the duration of the wheels and, uh, well, patients say how the wheels move. Of course, they don't move. They go away at one side and then come come at another side. So what's, what, what is the usual duration of a wheel in a horse? Uh, anywhere between four and 24 hours. Yeah, just like in humans, just like in humans. Interesting. Um, Ralph, in, in, in humans, it is a female to male ratio of, I want to say, three to one, maybe four to one. So clearly female predominant disease. Is that also so in horses? I don't think so. Um, I, I just try to remember if I can recall any publication stating that certainly in my experience i would be hard pressed to say that okay okay all right two more questions on the horses then i want to go to the dogs as well um how do we treat horses with urticaria we we of course can use glucocorticoids and they work reasonably well but Many of those horses, as I said, are performance horses, mm. are not allowed to compete if you have cortisone on board. So Doping. that is a good acute treatment, but it is not something we can use on a longer term basis. Okay. And then um, many of the horses also respond well to antihistamines, such as, for example, hydroxyzine. I use like 800 milligrams hydroxyzine three times a day on those horses, and they respond quite well. But again, hydroxyzine is also not permitted in a competition horse. And so the two treatments that really seem to work very well um, at the moment cannot be um, conducted in any horse that is competing. And then, of course, we try to find the underlying disease and we do have environmental allergies. We do have food allergies. We have sometimes cold or heat-induced or even sweat-induced or exercise-induced urticaria in some horses. Um, And in many horses, we never find out um, what the exact reason is. There's one study that I don't think is published yet where a colleague of mine looked at uh, anti-IgE antibodies, Mm -hmm. but, but that was very unsatisfying because when humans were reported with this, uh, we all thought, oh, we have to look at the horses. Maybe they have autoimmune disease. Um, but that so far hasn't really um, um, been confirmed. Very interesting. Very interesting. Yeah, I was going to ask you about uh, the underlying causes and the triggers and and also about chronic inducible urticaria. So it's interesting. There's cold urticaria in horses? Yep. Wow. Okay. Uh, that's also a big problem, I guess, uh, depending on where the horse lives. Uh, could be 
could be I devastating. The problem is really the exercise induced one in a racehorse. Sure. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. On to the onto the dogs. More dogs than cats, or do we just not see the wheels uh, with the long furred um, uh, cats? No, I think it's more dogs than cats. Yeah. I think um, in in the last thirty five years, I have seen so many dogs, and I think I have I can't recall having seen a single cat in the last eighteen years since I'm in Munich with okay. Orchid. Okay. Any any speculation on why it's dog skin or dogs rather than um, similar sized cats? Um, or is it the big uh, dogs? Well, one thing is certainly that there must be a genetic base that helps uh -huh. because we do have some breeds that get it much better than others. So, for example, boxer dogs do get urticaria a lot more often than, than most other breeds that we see in the clinic. Okay. Um, and then... Um, and then the other thing is possibly that we think this is often induced by envir environmental allergens. And I think the dense fur of the cat prevents the allergen of penetrating the skin as easily as, for example, in a boxer dog. And then, you know, latching onto the Ig on the surface of the mast cells. Interesting, interesting. Um, is, is it maybe linked to the size or do small dogs get it as often as big dogs? Uh, I think big dogs, I think boxers get it more often than most and okay. they are bigger dogs, but we do have some other breeds as well. And, and I recall having seen them in Jack Russell's. Um, actually, now that you ask me, I have to do a study on that one. Now that you have asked me, I think I have seen more in short-coated dogs and I don't think that it's because of the owners see the lesions better um, because, you know, most most owners pet their dogs a lot and it's yeah. very obvious when you pet them that there is something there. Yeah. I think it's really um, that they get it more often, but I have to yeah. verify that uh, with, the, with the study. You gave me a good idea now. Oh, good. Good. is sorted out. <laughs> Um, Ralph, in, in, in humans, uh, about, uh, and, and I'm talking chronic spontaneous urticaria, so not the inducible ones, um, chronic spontaneous urticaria in up to 70% of patients comes with angioedema. So they have wheels or not, but they have angioedema. Um, is that so in dogs and horses? Uh, I don't think that we have that high percentage of angioedema. But we do see it. So ah, yes, okay. I have seen cases with angioedema. But if I would get, get your gut feel number, and again, the next doctor dissertation will look at all those things in detail, um, then I would I would say it's uh, more in the in the area of maybe twenty percent, something like that. Yeah, yeah, interesting, interesting. Um, this is out of the blue, and and I've seen a cow once with symptomatic dermographism, or as we used to say in Germany, urticaria factitia, where you would write on the cow's skin and wheels would come where you do that. Is, is, was, was that something completely unusual or have you seen this too? Both. I have okay. seen this, but it's highly unusual. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, in your patients, is there spontaneous remission or is this something that you're dogs and, and horses have uh, forever? Uh, I'm not sure if it's spontaneous remission. I mean, most of them 
uh, either it waxes and wanes or it stays and then you treat it and you treat it for an extended amount of time yeah. but many of them after an extended amount of treatment it doesn't come back so okay. most horses don't have that all their life okay um, they have it you know okay. for a, a year or two and then maybe even for a month or two if you treat it properly and then it doesn't come back now the big question is a lot of those in the horse um we we do skin testing and desensitization mm. if the history fits the results of the skin or blood test and it seems to work really well but of course we don't know what would happen if we wouldn't treat because we don't have placebo controlled studies because no horse owner i know would actually participate they would yeah. not ever say we do three or six or 12 months of treatment as a placebo yeah um, no way so they so the real thing yeah. Exactly. So, so it's so it seems to work, but we don't really know if the treatment is actually the reason for the long-term remission, or if it's just incidental, and they would have gotten better anyway. Interesting. Have you ever run into families of urticaria where, yeah, it's uh, in more than one family member? Once. Yeah. One. Okay. Where where the mother and and one of the puppies had it. Mm -hmm. Interesting, interesting. Ralph, I could do this uh, all day long. I have so many questions, but I'm afraid looking at the time, we're just about there. But I'm not going to let you go without uh, the million dollar question that I always uh, or often put towards the end of our episodes. And that uh, I know you love research and I know you have many questions, but if uh, you had to spend a million euros on research, in urticaria, in animals, what would be the question you would answer with that? Oh, I mean, I, I would definitely go into the why, because because I really think we don't have enough research on why it happens, um, what the actual causative factors are there, but how to set up the studies to 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 identify that. I mean, ideally, you would have it in dogs, mm. because a you can put in in a, a, a sheltered environment a lot easier than a horse and then you know you could selectively you guys have chambers with environmental allergens that you can blow into the chambers when yeah. patients in there to induce hay fever or asthma or something that would be great to do with orticarial patients where you actually look at the history go oh this could be environmental allergens you do a test for it you see oh wow this is really cool that the, the results fit the history and then put that case into one of those capsules and use the allergen to see if you can cause it. I mean, that will be a cool thing to do. I totally agree. And I think we could learn from your patients. Maybe there's also things from humans that could benefit your understanding in your Absolutely. patients. Ralph, this was fascinating. Thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, it was a true pleasure and um, I learned a lot. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm always happy to talk about veterinary allergology and certainly uh, it was a pleasure to meet you again. I hope that I run into you on the conference or other again in the near future. Same here, same here. Folks, this is all the time I had Ralph here today, Ralph Müller, um, veterinary dermatologist, allergist, urticaria expert, as you have heard. Yes, there is urticaria outside of humans. It is a big problem. And uh, if you have more questions that you would like us to address in one of the future episodes of All Things Urticaria, do let us know. It is my pleasure to pick up 
where you have questions or ideas. And if you have not listened to all our previous episodes, please do that. Leave your feedback. Uh, we'll put some information into the show notes, links you can follow, and uh, also, of course, a possibility for feedback. And do listen to our next episode of All Things Urticaria coming soon. Until then, be well. Take care. Bye-bye.